I, I love being able to network and meet new, exciting and different people from you know all the things I'm interested and excited about. And you know, if I can encourage other people to do that, to gain the same sort of experiences that I've been able to get, then I think everyone should do it. Welcome to The Council Podcast, a podcast about life as an in-house lawyer. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I am passionate about all things in-house and am so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. So today I have with me on my very first podcast episode of Council, Director on the Board of the Australian Corporate Council, Ambassador for the beautiful state of Tasmania here in Australia, Keynote Speaker, In-House Lawyer at the University of Tasmania, Award-Winning Lawyer and All-Round Legal Legend, Theo Capodistrius. How are you? I am well, Mill. How are you? Really well. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my first guest. I am beyond thrilled. And um, it seems fitting to me that you're my first guest because you are a legal legend. You are someone that is always out there doing things differently in the in-house lawyer community. We've known each other for some time now, but we met, I'm not even sure, perhaps at a, a function, a networking event. Yeah, it was the 2016 ACC Australia uh, conference in Canberra. In Canberra. And it was Amazing. the... Uh, welcome drinks event where we got pushed together to network. That's what it was. <laughs> and the rest is history. Let's get cracking. Let's I'm going to start off with a fun, random question. If you had a limitless credit card but could only spend it at one shop, what shop would that be and why? Ooh, this is a hard question. But as a bit of a nerd, <laughs> I would probably go to Officeworks and just go to town on stationery. Okay. Oh, I love. You love a bit of uh, a bit of a highlighter. I love a highlighter. I love tabs. I love the sticky notes, notebooks. Ah, oh, it is. You're all. <laughs> like, I'm just excited thinking about it. I'm I'm just a nerd like that. But also, being in Officeworks, I'd be able to grab all the like you know, technology, the laptops, the iPads, yes. the phones. Like it's That's so true. That's oh. a really practical answer. Mm. And currently I assume you're working from home at the moment? I am working from home. So I'm currently sitting at my desk actually. My uh, From my... Officeworks maybe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't remember where I got it from. But, yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty good setup actually. Um, awesome. I'm pretty lucky that the transition to home has been as easy um, as it could be, really. That's really fantastic. Obviously, we're recording this in the middle of May, and um, many of us have been working from home from um, March myself because of coronavirus generally. And the fact that we could work from home quite seamlessly, keeping people out of the office and, and social distancing. And um, how have you found that transition? At first, it was kind of strange. I'd never worked from home before and I've always had the mindset of needing to be in the office to do work. But mm. also in March, you know, as the situation was unfolding and getting a bit worse, um, my boss made the call to say, we're going to work from home. Take whatever you need, take your laptops, your screens, anything, everything, and go home. 
So that, you know, early March, I took all my stuff, went home, set it up, and it was so easy. I'm able oh, to communicate brilliant. with people. Um, there's no issue, um, you know, being my accessibility, uh, email, it, it all works. So it's been really, really, really good, actually. And, you know, awesome. doing well for, you know, the public health as well to keep everyone locked away for a little while. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. We we don't have any end in sight. What about your employer? Have, have they put out a bit of a return to work policy or is everyone just playing it by ear? Playing it by ear. Um, as an educational institution, we've got to, I guess, be mindful of our students and staff as well, because that's a big cohort of people to come onto campus at any particular time. Absolutely. So yeah, for us, it's likely in July, it'll be a staged approach, but you know, I'm pretty happy to just wait it out for as long as needed um, at uh, home. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's been pretty seamless for you and your team. And I know that you're a massive proponent of using legal technology and, and particular technology solutions that have probably really helped you kind of transition. And, and we'll get onto that a little bit later because I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about uh, using, you know, some of those those tools. But firstly, I'd just like to ask, you know, we're, t- we're at a barbecue where we're talking with people we don't know. There might be some neighbours, maybe a friend of mum or dad's, and they ask you, you know, so Theo, what do you do? How would you describe what you do to someone that's outside of the legal profession? So I would explain my job as enabling the university to do its best and to continue being a leader in teaching and research so, and I would do that by supporting the business to make appropriate decisions and to take appropriate risks. Amazing. So, yeah. And I mean, explaining my job is often really confusing because if I tell people that I'm a lawyer for a university, they'll immediately think, oh, so you're studying law. That's really nice. Uh, yes, of course. But, you know, <laughs> I always have to say, no, no, that ship has long gone. It's, it's happened we've been there done that i actually work for the company to make sure it can do what it needs to do and that's almost like i think the easiest way for me to explain to people because it then clicks they get it yeah which is i think a, a good thing i really like the way that you described that and particularly using the words appropriate risk mm. you know that's that's such a big part of what we do as as in-house lawyers and helping the company or the the entity identify what risks might might be there but also understanding that we're probably still going to take some risk and that risk is a part of business yeah you know i find that um that can be liberating for the in-house lawyer perhaps and if if they're originally uh, from private practice world the the risk appetite and the understanding of the risk is somewhat skewed when you're on the in-house on the other side of the the table mm. you know do you find you you really do get that context behind the decisions that need to be made absolutely because you understand because because you work so closely with the business you understand where their appetite is for particular risks so mm. once you get that understanding you can say look this you know under law is likely to be an issue, but we understand that we've got mechanisms in place to deal with it and you've got an appetite to deal with this. So we can continue on, but noting that, you know, these are some of the potential implications from, you know, a legal perspective. 
yeah. and the business will see that and say, yep, get it, understand, no worries, off we go. Off we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's really exciting when you can give that advice and then the business will, you know, will take it and read it, consider it with all of the other issues, all of the other pieces of advice they're getting, you know, from the CFO, operating officer, whoever it might be, and pull that all together and actually make a decision. And you can see that play out in the in the real world, which, you know, is, is so, so exciting. I, I'm certainly very passionate about seeing legal decisions form part of the bigger commercial decision-making and the strategy and seeing that through from start to end. So mm. sounds like you, you have a similar experience at the university as well. Absolutely, yep. I'd love to ask you, Theo, about your transition to this role and what your experiences were prior to, to landing this gig. Yeah, so what's fun is this is my first and only legal position. So okay. I am one of those people who started in-house as a graduate. Amazing. That is not something you hear of quite often or at least not uh, not maybe more recently but mm. but that's that's quite a unique pathway how did how did you do that yeah, <laughs> how it, did you make that happen it is a unique you know pathway. that's the holy grail for a lot of students it is isn't it um yeah so I mean I look back and I think oh look it's actually a kind of a easy process but it really wasn't a lot built up to that I think for me um so initially there was an internship running in the legal services team um, at the like in my fifth year of law, like the final year of um, my bachelor's degree. And I thought, oh, that sounds so amazing. I didn't even know this opportunity existed. So I applied, but I was rejected. And ah. I thought, oh, no, that's awful. <laughs> so... Um, you know, I had that in, in my mind for like ongoing. I thought, oh, that would be such an amazing opportunity to actually work in-house for a company. Um, and then I did my practical legal training course and you know, did some placements in law firms and thought, oh, this is, this is fun, but it's probably not what I want to do. And I had a lot of, I guess, other skills beyond just my, you know, legal knowledge. You know, I had a bit of governance experience. I had a little bit of commercial experience and I had, uh, I guess, some policy experience as well. And I remember sending the general counsel of the university an email um, halfway through the practical legal training course. And I said, look, I'm really interested in working here. And if there's potentially an opportunity in the future, like I'd, I'd love to become part of the team. And she replied back and she said, hey, thanks for your email. We don't have any opportunities right now, but later in the year, we might be looking for someone. So keep an eye out. And I thought, ooh, okay, that gives me a little bit of hope. That's nice. Um, and then I finished for a legal training course. I was admitted to the Supreme Court of Tasmania and I was out of a job. Oh, I didn't have a job at the time. I was still doing my casual job as a pharmacy assistant, uh, which is an amazing job, by the way. Um, Good to know. So much fun. Oh. And, um, yeah, but I thought I, I, need a, I need to find a, a legal job. And I had a couple of interviews throughout the training course, and that was great, but didn't land anything, unfortunately. 
Um, and I, I got some other experience in um, the community legal sector space, doing some policy work for them. And then I looked at the local paper in Tasmania, or in Hobart, I should say. And there was a job going for a lawyer in the University of Tasmania legal services team. Ah, here we go. And I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to apply. I looked at what was required from the job and I thought, I absolutely have transferable skills, which I can apply to this. Even as a graduate, even as someone who uh, hasn't actually practiced properly yet, I will most definitely have transferable skills that I can apply to this role and that I can utilize for my selection criteria. So submitted all the paperwork. Um, and then two weeks later, I got a phone call. We'd love you to come in for an interview. And I was so excited. I thought, of course. This is it. Yes. And I nailed that interview and got a phone call. <laughs> and got my phone call a few days later. And yeah, still there now. It's been amazing. Yeah, nearly six years. That's fantastic. I love that story. And I just want to ask you a, a few questions. Some of those key points, I think, were so crucial to your success in getting that role. When you reached out to the the general counsel, was that a, a bit of a cold call or had you met previously? It was a complete cold call. Wow. That's amazing. And I, lo- and I just wanted to point that out because I think it's such an Im- such an important point to make. You know, we, we can often feel a little um, nervous or embarrassed to reach out to people that we don't know. But, you know, what's the worst that can happen? That really put your name into her mind mm. and a few months down the track may have been something that stuck with her that, you know, you had the initiative to really reach out and try and create an opportunity for yourself and it, and it worked. So I, I really love that. And I think that's really important to, to share if, you know, law students are looking for their first job or their first opportunity outside of uh, what their studies, you know, you might, you might just have to take some of those, those risky actions and put yourself out of your comfort zone. And I, I think the other, the other point that really jumped out to me was transferable skills. Yeah. And you, you've, you've looked at the, the job application, you've thought, okay, you know, I might not have all of this. I might not be the perfect candidate. I might not be able to tick every box. But again, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to put my hat in the ring and, and you backed yourself. And I, I just think that's so fantastic. And obviously it all, you know, you nailed the interview. I imagine I, I can absolutely imagine yes. your enthusiasm and energy in that, in that situation. Backed yourself and, you know, the rest is history. So I think that's awesome. And there's so many lessons in there. Um, I just really wanted to call that out. So six years later, you know, <laughs> you've no doubt you have learnt a lot, seen a lot. Would you recommend going straight to in-house practice from university? See, it's that's such an interesting question because so many people say you need private practice experience before you do anything, mm. to which I always say you don't. Clearly. You do not because I had the most amazing training um, as an in-house lawyer just to kick off with my career, I learned about how to practically apply the law, which you don't necessarily always get in 
um, private practice. I learned how to communicate the law to a way that works for people in a really clear and succinct way. And what's also amazing for me is the ability to be able to look at so many different areas of law across the business. It is never just, hey, I'm going to deal with leasing. It's Here's, here's a lease one day, here's an intellectual property license another, here's a uh, dispute over a contract over here, here's a um, tree falling on a car over here, we need to deal with yeah. this. <laughs> Is that a real example? That's a real example. That's happened. That's happened. <laughs> I love that. You, you honestly never know what is going to come across your desk from oh. any day when you're an in-house lawyer. <laughs> no, it's crazy. It is crazy. I love that example. And, and you're learning, there's just a different set of skills, isn't it? That to be resourceful and to be able to think on your feet, how do I deal with a, a tree falling on a car on our on our premises? And the next day, <laughs> how do I deal with an intellectual property license for a, a new chemical compound that somebody might have invented in the chemistry department? I mean, they're, they're really different areas of the law and they're going to bring out different skills. So it's like you say, you're getting that exposure across so many different areas of the law. Mm. And um, obviously I know that you're, you're a very successful lawyer and, and held in high regard and is, I think you're a wonderful example of someone who tried a different path and says no to people that say you have to do it this way and, and you're actually out there saying, no, you don't, you can do it you can do it any way that, that you'd like and that works for you. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. We, we need to see more of that in our profession, I think. I agree. You agree. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> All right. I have another question for you here and I touched on it a little earlier. Legal tech is, it's a massive part of, of what we see in our day-to-day life, what we use, what's being promoted to us at conferences and in email distribution letters and, and magazines focused for in-house counsel. It's it's kind of a bit of a hot topic and it, it has been for a few years now. I'd love to know what piece of legal tech you're intrigued by or, or you're really loving at this point. Yeah, so I'm currently using um, LawView. LawView is a lot of fun and it's been really, really beneficial over this, um, I guess, isolation period away from everyone. So we use it for its matter management functionality. So we're able to get really great oversight over what people within the team are doing and also the status of where a matter is, um, which is really great. And for an example, like an, an example of that is, you know, if someone's away doing something um, or they've, you know, have to deal with something with their kids and they um, can't deal with an urgent matter that they've got in the system, I'd be able to pick it up, have a look in there and see, okay, so this is what's happened. Here, here are the relevant documentations. These are the relevant people I need to talk to. And away I go. Everything's in there, um, which is really, awesome. really handy. And do your clients use that software as well to interface with the legal team? So we've only used it so far just within the league, like the legal team itself, but it has the functionality for people to input their legal requests through the system. But we haven't gone to that step just yet. We are looking to do that pretty soon um, and that will save 
time on email. So essentially Absolutely. email will be a thing of the past and it will just be in that system. That's amazing. And 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 it is helpful to have that transparency over the the history of a matter so you can pick it up if someone's on leave or away and it's not all in their inbox. I've worked in systems where it was all in someone's inbox and that is not a fun time when they leave or um, or they're away from the desk and you've got to take over the matter. It can be a little challenging. So I imagine that that transparency of, of the matter is, is really awesome. And um, I'd love to ask about the process that you went through of finding this system. We're going through something similar now and, you know, the, mud, the, the market is flooded. I think mm. there's so many providers and I, I personally get a little bit confused. They all seem to be slightly different and, and slightly kind of doing something a little bit quirky, but otherwise it's the same matter management tool. And mm. I, oh, it's, how did you go, how did you wade through the options to, to land with LawView? So we, we have a, I guess, a procurement process at the university. So we're required to, you know, go out, go searching, bring back quotes, and then do a comparison of everything. Um, and for us, so I took um, a few of my team to the ACC Australia National Conference in 2018 in Brisbane, and we went wild in the exhibition centre and said, right, <laughs> let's have a look at what's available um, and, you know, make, a, make an assessment of, you know, what's out there. So we did a number of demos, uh, compared a number of products, and for our problems and what we needed to solve, LawView kind of fit the mark. Um, okay. For us, it was, you know, certain things like the Outlook integration piece, very handy. Um, things like the, the dashboards and the reporting functionality, also really, really useful. So to be able to, I guess, you know, tick quite a few boxes for us um, and fit thing within like a, a reasonable price range as well for what we selected. It, it, it worked for us, which is, you know, really, really good. That's fantastic. And you've been using it for how long now? Um, since the beginning of 2019. So nearly 18 months or so, I think. Yeah. Can you give me any tips for integrating a new system within a legal team? Because I think there's there's a real opportunity there to get it right or to get it wrong, and you've invested all this time demoing and talking and going through the procurement process. You've picked the system, you've figured it out, you've you've implemented, and now you've got to train everybody, <laughs> and and it's it can't flop. You know, you there's no there's no option. This has to work. How did you? It sounds like you've successfully integrated the system into the team and I'd love to know how you did that it is such a change management piece so it's a case of saying right we need this to work for everyone and in order for us to get the best result we need everyone to just get on board so it is a case of having a change champion um, for mm -hmm. our team it's me I uh, bet <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's a case of saying right I'm going to outline the best way that we can use it um, so we can get the best result because this is really important for us. We need to know um, what everyone's doing. We need to be able to communicate to the business what we're doing um, and we need to have 
stats. So that that's been really like really positive to put that message out there with everyone to say this is why it's important and this is how we need to use it. So I did a lot of training with everyone, um, sat down with people, and you know hold myself out as being the person to talk to if they need support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I, you know make myself available as our legal ops person to um, ensure that we you know no one struggles with it. Um, and I've created like documentation as well to say you know this is how we do certain things this is our naming conventions so kind of I guess it was a lot of work making sure that we got the you know the right processes in place and um, did everything in a really clear way but you know the efforts really paid off Mm. so you know I've been really happy to see the results um, and how we've been able to run with the product really really well that's fantastic. It sounds like you really took a, a project, you know, kind of philosophy to it, change management project mm. with all of the elements. And and again, there's those transferable skills that that you keep coming up. Yeah. That's you right. know, we certainly get to do things outside of pure legal advice in the in-house role and the opportunity to see that kind of project through from demo to implementation training, you know, procedures, manuals in place. And, you know, the next piece, as you said, is the integration with the wider university and your clients who can who can work with the system. And I'm sure that'll be another project of itself, but I wish you every luck with that. that that's an exciting uh, way to use something, you know, to interface with, with our clients and and keep it nice and easy for them too. But it, I'm sure, will have its own challenges. So... Maybe we can touch base in a little while and see how that goes. I, I personally would like to to know because we'll we'll have that ahead of us with our project For sure. moment. Okay, so I've got another question for you. I am kind of looking back at the big picture, and you, you've been working in house for six years now. You've been through the university process, law degree, the whole thing. You've seen a lot, and and you really. Um, you really are someone in the industry who I think does have quite a well-rounded approach to practice and and also the experiences that you're getting out of your career, being on the board of the ACC, putting yourself out there as a keynote speaker and, and looking at other ways that you can develop as a lawyer. So with, with all of that in mind, everything that you've seen and done, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever been given? So I think it was one of my mentors who said to me, say yes to opportunities where you can grow. Mm. So if I'm assigned a task like on an area of law I don't understand, take it, run with it, learn from it. Everything I can do is really a learning opportunity. So I shouldn't be afraid to take the leap and just give it a crack, really. That's so fantastic. What great advice. It was such great advice. And I've kind of held on to that. I think to the point where I'm maybe a little overcommitted now. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's the balance, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like I just love getting involved in doing stuff. And I get approached pretty regularly um, by people to say, oh, you know, here's this thing. Would you like to be involved? And I'm always like, yes, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, <laughs> because like me asking you to spend some of your Saturday morning on a podcast, <laughs> which <laughs> oh, I do appreciate. <laughs> but I love it. I'm loving this. It's great. And I'm at home anyway. So wonderful. <laughs> but I guess another piece of um, useful advice that I've been given and I also give is network your little heart out. Right. Ah, networking is amazing. I mean, you know, for example, you and I met through networking, Mel. Yes, absolutely. Which, which is awesome. Um, and being able to just talk to people, hearing from their experiences, what you can learn from them is so critical. And you never know where a conversation can take you. Mm. So I always encourage people to get involved with their industry associations. For me, it's uh, the Association of Corporate Council Australia. Um, not biased at all, being on their board and Tasmanian president, but that's okay. Um, I'm also part of the Society of University Lawyers. I'm also part of the Australasian Research um, Management Association. Um, I'm part, oh gosh, uh, the Australian Institute of Company Directors. You know, I, I love being able to network and meet new, exciting and different people um, from you know, all the things I'm interested and excited about. And, you know, if I can encourage other people to do that, to gain the same sort of experiences that I've been able to get, then, you know, I think everyone should do it. Absolutely. So you've, you've kind of pulled out two, two philosophies I hold near and dear when it comes to career advice, mentoring and networking. And I'd love to ask you about your views on mentoring. You've you mentioned that you have had the benefit of what sounds like a wonderful mentor who gave you some fantastic advice. Is that something that you still engage in? Yes. So I still have uh, amazing mentors. I'm not part. I'm not part of a formal mentor program at the moment, but I have been for a number of years. So I've been part of the um, ACC Australia mentoring program where I was paired up with some awesome awesome mentors and we still keep in touch um which is fantastic for me because they're amazing and they're you know they've been people i've been really fortunate to meet and learn from Mm. um but i'm also a mentor for students as well because i want to try and you know pass on the i guess skills and you know any assistance that i give them um i actually yeah i'm really interested in being able to help people and I, I, and I give re- back, give back. Yeah. I really value the opportunity to, um, you know, mentor and support people. And, you know, if, I, if having a 30 minute conversation with me is going to help someone, then, you know, why not? That's, that is so generous. And, you know, you are someone who I see is giving back to the next generation of lawyers and just also kind of flying the flag for the in-house community as well. Because we're we're not always uh, known about in in law school. It's not something that we are very good at promoting, and the universities aren't always, uh, you know, what's the word, inclined. I'm not sure. I'm trying to I'm trying to subtly suggest that law firms have money and a budget to to advertise to universities, mm. um, and that might not always be the case for some of the in house community and societies. So. I think if we can individually as practitioners give back and reach out to law students and just suggest that there are there are other ways of practicing as a lawyer that are so rewarding and so and so fun and 
and can really be a great career path for a lot of people. So I, I commend you for that. I think it's it's something, you know, I'm passionate about and I see that in you and I think we're, um, I'm on a bit of a mission just to, to fly that in-house flag for sure. So I love that I'm not alone in that. I'd love to ask you about the the opposite, the mm. worst piece of career advice that you've ever been given. Uh, well, here's a little story. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was probably in the first few months of working. Uh, it you know at, at first it your job didn't seem like the ideal thing that you thought it was going to be. I thought, oh, maybe maybe I don't like law maybe this isn't what I'm interested in Mm. so I spoke to a career counsellor and I said look I want to continue working in Tasmania I feel like I could continue working as a lawyer but I'm not sure what do you think my options could be and my career counsellor looked at me and she said you know what I think you should just quit everything go to Melbourne and join the Victorian police force. What? <laughs> I just sat down and thought, okay, you didn't hear the first thing I said. And that was, um, I want to continue living and working in Tasmania. And she's yes. like, no, nah, forget that. Forget everything. You look fit. You could be a great <laughs> police officer. And I, well, you, you could be. I, you know, I'm sure you absolutely could be. <laughs> Look, but I it really, wasn't going to tick any of your boxes. I really wouldn't be a good police officer. I Just the, the thought of, you know, the fact that I, I went there in a kind of vulnerable position, yeah. feeling not particularly happy, and then being told pretty terrible career advice, oh. it wasn't great. Anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have to take uh, some advice with a grain of salt, I, I suppose. Mm. Oh gosh, that's but, that's quite funny. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't take that advice. I'm um, glad too. Um, you know, but, we might not have met. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless I lived in Victoria and I was doing something illegal, but that's highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> With that, you know, it gave me the opportunity to actually reflect and think about what I wanted to do and kind of reframe my thinking. Um so, you know, that gave me the opportunity to then have a conversation with my boss to say, look, uh, you know, right now I understand it's, you know, the learning process for me, but I'd like to be able to do, um, you know, some more meaty, exciting things. And to which he said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll get you involved. We'll get you working on other things. So it was kind of the the jump I needed um, mm. to, I guess, kick off with um, my fun legal career, which it is now. So you kind of, you've taken that moment to just have a pause and, and ask, is this for me? And then, and I, I really um, yeah, commend you on on reaching out to someone who we would like to think had some professional experience and, and help, but may, maybe felt a little short that time. That time, uh, yeah. But taking the time to pause and and then going to someone in your team and, and your boss and actually just kind of being honest about what you were experiencing and what what kind of projects you would like to get involved in, you know, that seems to have made all the difference. Mm, absolutely. And if I may share another nugget of not great career advice I've heard Please before. Please do. Okay. So I regularly speak on panels 
and the law faculty um, at the university asked me to be on a career panel, which I thought was a great step for them to include in-house lawyers. Yes. So I was, of course, happy to represent. And there was quite a diverse range of people on the panel as well. So prosecutors and people from legal aid, stuff like that. It was great. Um, but there was a comment from someone who said, look, I only wanted to get into one area of law and that was criminal. So if I were you, I wouldn't accept any other role unless it's exactly what you want, to which I thought was actually quite bad advice because mm. I think any experience, you're able to gain really good learnings from it. So it's not a great idea to be able to limit the scope of what you're doing because it might not fit every single box. Absolutely. I think it's so important that we take every opportunity that's thrown at us and use it for learning because we do gain those transferable skills. And I've said it before, but I'm saying it again, your transferable skills are what will get you into your perfect role. And, you know, that's just not practical for everyone, is it? Like some people have bills to pay and you've got to, you've got to be practical about just getting a job, getting any foot in the door. It might not be the dream or the first, you know, the first thing that you would have absolutely loved to be doing after law school. But, you know, you kind of have to just get in and, and, and start to build that career. And as you say, no experience is ever wasted. Mm. And you can find your way through and and it's a bit of an adventure, I think. It certainly can be. So I agree with you. That's not really that that great advice. It's a little bit privileged really from someone who might have um, had, who knows, but might have been able to just wait for the perfect opportunity. That's not, you know, not everyone can do that. So, yeah, I agree. I think... Um, we we certainly we hear things along the way in our career. People are saying things all the time uh, about what we should or shouldn't do, or what it means to to be a good lawyer or uh, a good a good person as an employee. And you know, there's there is so much out there, and I think it becomes important to really listen to you know take all of that in, but really listen to yourself and and actually trust in your instinct and in your intuition on things. What's your relationship like with your yourself and, and how you speak to yourself and, you know, the mindset that you 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 obviously cultivate for yourself to to go out there and to do things that are a little different and a little bit a little bit outside of the norm. What's what's behind all of that? Uh, so this is such an interesting question, Mel, because often, you know, before you do something or you're about to do something, your mind kind of plays with you and says, oh, everyone is going to laugh at you. What are you doing? This is embarrassing. But at, at a point, you just have to stop and say, no, it's, it's really not. This is awesome. It, you know, like, sure, I've, um, I've been nominated for an award. Why shouldn't I share that on my LinkedIn? This is a great opportunity for me to um, promote myself and to promote what I've been able to do. Mm. I've had to move. I, I, I was someone who would always feel like I was being judged and, you know, have people talking about me uh, because I am quite vocal on social media. Uh, I share a lot about myself, my thoughts. Um, 
not in like a negative way, just as a, as a, a way to share information. And, you know, I do worry, or I did worry at a, at a time that, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to get judged. And, you know, particularly putting myself out there as a um, keynote speaker and creating my own website, um, that's riddled with, you know, potential for people to say, to, you know, look at this and think how embarrassing, how strange, who does this guy think he is? Mm. But ultimately, I don't care. Oh, I love that. This is something <laughs> I want to do. And it's something that I love doing. Yes. So why should I let anyone else's opinions get in my way? And I'm putting that on a T-shirt. 100%. Put it on that a mug is as like, well. That is a motto to live by. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like it. I want to do it. And that's that's really the end of it. It's not hurting anybody. So what's the what's the harm? What's the harm? And if people do have a problem with it, let me know what it is because I'm not seeing it here. You know, it's people don't though. Like we often, I think we often get so caught up in what people might think, and I'm certainly not immune from that as well. And then I realize, like, no one's really caring about you, Mel. You're not that important. Like the people have got their own things going on. That's right. You know, you just do you, and um, you know, your people will will support you, and it, and if if other people think it's a bit silly or a bit strange, then that's okay. They're just not your people and that's, that's right. fine. <laughs> and, that, and if people are talking about me or you, great. That's going to help boost my profile. Thank you <laughs> yeah. very much. I'll be the next Kim Kardashian. Of the legal world. Of the legal world. <laughs> well, I, I would say you're well on your way. <laughs> we, that's, um, oh, that's so fantastic. Thank you for being so honest there. I think it's so brave to share when we we do have some self-doubt with some of the things that we we want to do and it stops us uh, from from trying mm. and from putting ourselves out there and you know it sounds like you've been able to overcome those self-limiting beliefs that our brain comes up with but they are there and we have to watch them even you know as a, a six-year lawyer and, and and myself going into I think eight or nine years you know where we've been in the game for a while but some of those those doubts can still creep in and we've got to we've got to watch that because it's just not helpful is it no not at all so I'd love to ask on, on this theme of of I don't know just expand expanding ourselves and our experiences what what is next for for Theo what are you looking forward to Oh, so many things. Um, I think for me, I would love to get myself into a general counsel position. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, that is the next step in my career. Uh, it might not be right this minute, but that is where I'd love to take my legal career. Absolutely. I, For me, because my role right now isn't strictly legal, it's a bit of legal, it's a bit of compliance, a bit of governance, a bit of risk bit of commercial stuff that's given me such amazing grounding to be able to I guess lead a team and be the voice for the organization's legal team and that's where I'd essentially love to see myself going I I feel like it'll be you know an exciting rewarding challenging path but I feel like I'm I'm yeah getting there. I, I Absolutely. Like, yeah. I feel like you've I been could... working towards it. This is the a natural kind of progression in your career. Mm. 
absolutely. And yeah, you know, I, I just think it would be so much fun as well. And what about on the the keynote speaker side of things? I know that's a bit of a, a side hustle for you and and something that you've you've just put your, you're putting yourself out there and you've created your website and it's and it looks fantastic. I think that that cover page with the water, it's so pensive and so <laughs> <laughs> it's so Tasmania. I love that. It's a great mood to start the website with. But tell me a little bit about that and um and what some of your your areas and your topics are. Yeah, so I guess a little bit of background. I um I love public speaking. I'm one of those weird people who just loves to speak at events and conferences and that sort of thing. And when I was in school, I had a a, a bit of a background in drama and theater and I kind of lost that performance part of me when going into law, but also I didn't, I kind of recreated it. And Mm. the recreation of that was presenting to the business on different legal topics and doing stuff like that. But then, you know, uh, over the past few years, I started speaking at events um, locally, nationally, and a couple international events as well. And I thought, I love this. I really love just getting in front of, big groups of people, uh, hopefully, you know, teaching them or, you know, telling them really important, critical things. Um, and I actually want to do this, not, not as a a full-time job, but as something that I can potentially be paid for. So I embarked on my keynote speaking journey and, I've, um, I sat down and I thought, you know, what are some things that I can tell people about how do I want to help the world through my talks? And I want to help people make an impact. So for me, I want to help individuals and emerging leaders to make an impact and make a difference. And I've developed a bit of a methodology for how people would be able to do that. And it's essentially through, I call it my 3C methodology which is looking at your communication, your collaboration and your connection and how you can utilise those really key skills and key things to get you to make a difference and to make an impact in whatever it might be that you're doing, whether it's your That's job, fantastic. whether it's your family, whether it's a voluntary experience, whether it's a customer service experience, whatever it might be, anyone has the ability to make an impact and to you know, change their world a little bit. And I want to help people to do that. That's fantastic. What a fantastic mission. I can really feel the the energy and the the passion that you have for that. So I I certainly, yeah, wish you every luck for that endeavor and, and something that's um, you know, outside of the nine to five. So it's a little project, something to to learn and and to sink your teeth into. So I I think that's awesome. I yeah. hope that goes really well. I, can't, I mean I, I hope I get to to attend and hear you speak on that topic. Maybe maybe later in the year if we have our ACC conference, who knows what that will look like. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, still in the works right now. We'll so see. hopefully we'll have an announcement soon. Oh, that's amazing. Be so fantastic to get back and um, connect with people. I, I really miss that networking in person. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a fun part of staying in touch with colleagues and we haven't been able to do it at this time. We've had to all you know, uh, evolve and innovate, which is also, which is also fantastic. But anyway, um, speaking of connection, one of your, your three C's there, 
How can people connect with you? Yeah, I mean, I am super welcome for anyone to add me on LinkedIn. Um, Theo Capodistrius, super long name. Apologies. If you type in Theo, I'll hopefully be the first one that pops up. C-O-K, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at theocap, K-A-P, 88. Or you can check out my website, uh, theocap.com.au. Fantastic. I will put all of that in the show notes. Uh, I don't know how to do show notes yet, but I will figure it out and I will put your details there. So anybody who's is interested in connecting and learning more uh, is more than welcome to reach out. And I, I know you are very generous with your time and happy to, to spend it. So I would encourage anyone who's interested in anything that you've had to say or who just wants to make another connection because, you know, there's no harm in uh, keeping that network nice and strong and, and wide as as you certainly continue to do. So I would love to finish it up there. We have had a fantastic conversation about so many different things and I'm, I'm so grateful to you for coming and being my first guest and Hopefully this all goes to plan and I can get this up onto the, the airwaves soon. I um, I want to thank you for, for your honesty and, and especially for being someone in the legal profession who is out there talking about being an in-house lawyer and, and really sharing, you know, your journey. I think it's, it's very inspiring and I, I love that we've connected and I'm sure we will continue to. You are saying yes to things you do see everything as a learning opportunity. I can see that and you are making an impact. So I am, yeah, thrilled to know you, Theo, and thank you so much for, for being my first guest. Thank you, Mel. Thanks for the opportunity to speak and to be your first guest. How yes. exciting. So exciting. Thank you for listening to this episode of Council. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn or Instagram. Find me at The In-House Lawyer. Take care.